Hello, my name is Dr. Jack Isherwood and welcome to another episode of my podcast series, Think Sociological. Today's episode is about the important topic of stigma. Stigma is an extremely important concept in sociology because it offers us an explanation for why particular individuals, groups or communities are marginalized and excluded in society. It can also help us to explain the social impacts of social marginalization and exclusion not just on an individual level, but also across society as a whole. Stigma can be defined as a social process whereby certain individuals or groups suffer from social discrediting based on their perceived group membership, their perceived social behavior, or their perceived physical attributes. This social discrediting in turn shapes the way that stigmatized individuals or groups are socially treated as they are typically held to violate dominant social norms, values, or beliefs. The term stigma originally derives from the Greek word stitzine, which refers to the practice of physically branding an individual, such as a slave or a criminal, in order to socially distinguish them. So given this definition, how does stigma work in society, and what are its negative impacts? The first point to note here is that stigma is a social construction it is a social construction because for, in order for it to exist, there needs to be certain widely shared assumptions about social life in a community, particularly g- regarding what is considered socially normal and abnormal, and what is considered to be morally praiseworthy or morally blameworthy. These shared assumptions in turn reflect various social values, beliefs, and social norms of behavior which vary between society to society and across periods of historical time. For instance, HIV-AIDS suffered from significant stigma during the late 1970s to the mid-1990s as it was publicly associated with drug abuse and homosexual men. This stigma has been greatly reduced by public health information campaigns and by the public activism of affected communities, which served to challenge prejudicial attitudes and negative stereotypes of individuals with with the illness, thereby undermining the stigma. The second point to note about stigma is how it shapes social interaction. Stigma is not natural or inevitable, it has to be learnt through practices of socialization, which in turn rely on the circulation of social discourses in a society. Social discourse is a shared body of knowledge which affects the way we think and feel about a social phenomenon, and hence discourses shape our social behavior. But how is stigma and social interaction connected precisely? Firstly, we can examine the impact of stigma on social interaction from the viewpoint of stigmatized individuals. One central problem about stigma is that it can be it can be deeply internalized by individuals who come to accept as true the proposition that they are somehow socially abnormal, thereby negatively impacting their self-confidence particularly in terms of internalizing sentiments of shame, guilt, and self-blame. For instance, it's quite common for individuals who struggle with mental health issues to avoid discussing their troubles with their family, their friends, and their colleagues. On the basis that others will negatively react to them, they might hold the view that they should be stronger as individuals and feel ashamed that they don't seem to be coping. This is an example of one of the most troubling aspects of stigma, its ability to discourage stigmatized individuals or groups from publicly expressing their viewpoints because they lack self-confidence or they are afraid of negative social judgment and reaction. 
This tendency towards self-silencing can, can of course further reinforce social stigma as the grounds for their stigmatization is not critically questioned in public. It becomes normalized to the extent where it can even be taboo to raise the issue. And this of course can further entrench the social isolation that stigmatized groups experience in their everyday lives. In addition, we can also examine the impact on social interaction from the viewpoint of individuals who do not suffer from stigmatization. It is important to emphasize that stigma is a process of social marginalization and exclusion, which creates psychological divides between different social groups and communities, as it can be extremely difficult to feel sympathy, empathy, or compassion for the stigmatized. This sense of social distance then translates into practices of social avoidance as stigmatized individuals or communities are shunned or ignored. Importantly, it is also worth noting that any individual or group which interacts with stigmatized individuals or stigmatized groups can be socially excluded themselves, precisely because of their social association with stigmatized communities and individuals. This is what we might term secondary stigmatization. So let's quickly recap on the idea of stigmatization and examine the dominant modes of stigmatization in society. Irvin Goffman, the influential sociologist, argued that there are three different kinds of stigma which produce social marginalization and exclusion. Firstly, individuals can be stigmatized on the basis of their perceived physical traits. For instance, it's quite common for individuals with a physical disability to feel patronized in their social interactions with non-disabled individuals because the latter might assume that the former lacks certain abilities or capacities that they actually do have. Secondly, individuals and social groups can be stigmatized on the basis of their perceived social behaviors. It is in this way that stigma is deeply connected to practices of social discrimination. For instance, unfortunately it's commonplace for long-term unemployed to be labelled as being work-shy, sloppy or lazy in Australian society, even though the evidence comprehensively demonstrates that there's a structural deficiency in the number of jobs available in the economy relative to the number of people seeking employment, as well as multiple structural barriers to gaining employment, such as racial or gender discrimination. Consequently, Stigmatization is often linked to practices of social scapegoating, whereby individuals or groups are falsely deemed responsible for social problems, and they are treated with suspicion, contempt, hostility, or even with violence. And lastly, individuals and social groups can be stigmatized based on their group memberships. For instance, dominant racial stereotypes of Australia's indigenous people has frequently portrayed them in an extremely dehumanizing fashion, as dull bludgers, as being pathologically violent, as being inherently lazy, and so on and so forth. Stigma in this regard, therefore, is very much connected to ideological power, the capacity to influence the production, circulation, and reception of social values and beliefs. Consequently, it is also very much linked to imbalances of political power, particularly with respect to the design and the implementation of public policy and the practices of social institutions. On the other hand, while stigma constitutes a powerful means of social control, it's also important to note that patterns of stigma are always contested and challenged in society. Even stigma, even though stigma has destructive impacts on individuals or community self-image, it's mistaken to assume that their response is one of default passivity. 
Indeed, it's common for stigmatized groups to challenge their inferior social status by attempting to reframe their negative identity attributes, not as an indication of shame, but rather as one of pride. That is to say, rather than rejecting stigmatizing labels outright, they can be actively embraced as a strategy of political empowerment. For instance, the term queer was once a pejorative label used to describe homosexual individuals until it was reclaimed by global gay pride movements. Alternatively, the dominant status of stigmatizing labels can be displaced by the assertion of more positive labels. For instance, the African-American community since the 1960s has responded to the societal association of ugliness and blackness via the slogan, Black is Beautiful, thereby trying to challenge patterns of internalized shame and disgust. Of course, we can also uh, see that such movements can challenge patterns of social stigmatization through practices of civil disobedience as well. So in conclusion, why is stigma worthy of sociological examination? Well, the first reason is because all of us, to varying degrees, are susceptible to stigmatization throughout our lives because it can target multiple aspects of our identities as well as our group associations. For many of us, stigmatization is not an abstract concept. It's an everyday lived experience which places certain limitations and constraints on our beliefs, our values, and our social behavior. The second reason why stigma is worthy of sociological examination is because our identities are always partly constructed with reference to practices of social stigmatization. An understanding, therefore, of its dynamics allows us to put our own socialization and the formation of our own identities into a much more critical light. And finally, because stigmatization is intimately connected to imbalances of political power, the capacity to impose negative labels on certain communities is often the very first step in the erasure of their civil and political liberties and to justifying practices of discrimination. Accordingly, by understanding how stigmatization works, we can actually learn how cultural norms and beliefs are intimately connected to the operation of social institutions. So thank you everyone for listening to this podcast. I hope it was insightful and hopefully you'll listen to another one in the future. Thank you very much.